The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes after eight. Good morning and welcome to the Forum at Eight. It's a Friday, so we like to have a bit of a lighter conversation with you on Fridays. Yesterday we talked about the uh, Cecil John Rhodes statute. It was a rather heavy topic and we thought today let's give you something a little bit more food for thought or just food perhaps. The old adage, do we eat to live or live to eat? It's never really been answered. I, I don't know if we're going to answer it today. And that's because we all view food differently. In, in the last few years, Food in all its glory has been celebrated. There's hundreds of TV cooking programs. They've popped up all over the world, showcasing ingredients and the new f- methods of food preparation. It's meant to not just be gourmet, but also healthy. They're sometimes strange and also very simple. And then the food explosion, they say, is here to stay. On the Forum at 8, we're exploring everything from food trends and how to make healthy eating fun to what to play differently for family and friends on important upcoming religious holidays. Forbes magazine has noted that 2013 was all about cupcakes, sriracha, and pretzel buns. 2014 was the year of the concept restaurant. So what does 2015 have in store for us? Are there any salivating surprises around the corner for us? I'll be joined by celebrity chef Yudhika Sujanini. She joins us for an hour to share her tips and engage you in your food journey. Yudhi, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's lovely th- to be here. We're looking forward to engaging with our listeners as well. So if you have some questions, uh, something you're curious about cooking this weekend, there's lots of sport on on the go. So if you're wanting to make something something different, something healthy perhaps for the game, for the boys, uh, you can give us a call. Ask us your questions on 34701-0891-104208. That's our phone number. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook this morning. So if you're into cooking and, and watch TV regularly, you may have seen her on cooking shows on SABC 2 and 3. Yudhika Sujanini, she's graciously agreed to come into our SAFM studios today for the Forum at 8. And on the menu is everything from food trends and how to make healthy eating more fun to what to play differently this Easter, Passover, Diwali or even Ramadan. Before we get into this rather delicious discussion, let's listen to a short profile. This was compiled by Krivani Pillay. Yudhika Sujanani is Mela's celebrity chef, author and entrepreneur. She's going to be sharing some... She's best known for her designer heels and signature curry dishes. Meet Yudhika Sujanani, the curry queen of bling, a fashionable foodie who's taking the local food industry by storm. It's absolutely exciting and I'm so looking forward to sharing my recipes with the viewers. I think that most people think that food can be quite pretentious. So I'm going back to old-style home cooking. Fresh is always best. Stir the onions, keep them moving about. Next, pop in some salt. Just remember, the chicken's already got some salt, so lightly season. Let's add some ginger and garlic paste that we've pounded. Just fry that off. Lower the heat. Next, red chili powder going in, the ground coriander. But her repertoire doesn't focus exclusively on all things hot and spicy, such as Indian cuisine. She uses her knowledge and experience to create innovative flavors and food combinations. Some people call them leftovers. I call them treasures. And over the festive season, my refrigerator looks like a treasure chest. Today I'm getting creative in the kitchen and preparing 
Philo Turkey Palau parcels, curried turkey buns, and a strawberry Victoria sponge cake. Now the ingredients for the food for the body and soul is Yudhika's mantra, which she shares with her mom and three children. Even though she spent her formative years in Durban, she's moved away from the typical bunny chow to give the food of her roots a new twist. Now the ingredients for the curry turkey buns are sunflower oil, onion, coconut milk, tomato, turmeric, red chili, cumin, coriander, garam masala, ginger and garlic paste, some lime leaves. Her passion for food and zest for life can be tasted in every morsel. Whether you're on a budget or busy schedule, Yudhika insists that simple food can be made in a flash and packed with flavor. It's important as well when you're recreating meals is to add lots of fresh herbs and spices to it as well to make it super delicious. In goes the ginger and the garlic paste. Yudhika is not just a pretty face with a flair for food. Her passion extends to hundreds of thousands of children who don't have access to food daily. My role for the United Nations World Food Programme is to actually create awareness around hunger issues around the African continent. She started the Curry Club where she entertained guests, often strangers, in her own home to raise money for the Starfish Foundation and its ambition to feed children. Yudhika has written several recipe books and if that's not enough, the Spice Mistress even has her own range of homemade condiments retailing across the country. Presenting Yudhika Sujanani and her food, glorious food. Just the kind of thing you want to hear before having breakfast, right? That short profile on uh, Yudhika Sujanani, who was, uh, that was produced by Krivani Pillay. Yudhika, joining me in studio this morning. Yudhika, once again, thank you so much for your time. I know, Krivani's made me really shy. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm just going to blush. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, I guess a good place to start is, you know, what, what brought you into this world of, of food and, and to make it a career and a business for you? I think that, um, you know, without sounding airy-fairy, I think it's all about destiny. You know, sometimes things just live in your DNA and it's like food found me. I would do my homework at the kitchen table after school and soak up all those aromas and just that feeling of love and warmth in a kitchen. And I can still imagine it. I can still imagine the kitchen table and what it looked like. And um, my mom uh, got divorced and she rebuilt her whole life and she became a chef. And part of growing up, she... Uh, with raising us, she wanted me to be incredibly independent. So I started working in a hotel kitchen when I was 14 years old. That must have been a difficult time for you. Uh, no, it was absolutely fun because I, I was a very quiet girl from a conservative Indian home. And then suddenly I was in this hotel kitchen. And I was, I, my first job was actually rolling knives and forks in paper serviettes. And... I, I used to think, geez, I'm the, now I'm rich. <laughs> I'm so rich. And then it, it became, and I can't remember exactly when it happened, but um, I was asked one day, just thrown in the deep end, and, and at the hotel they needed uh, apple pies. And they were like, Utica, you've watched this being done like a million times. Can you just make some apple apple pie? 
And I did, and I, I never looked back. And I paid my way through high school, uh, opted to go to a private school, and I smoosed my way through high school, paying my fees and well, then it was standard eight, nine, and ten. How many samosas do you think you made at that time? Oh my God, I, I, I don't want to think about that, but a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've tried one of Yudhika's uh, samosas, or perhaps you've even uh, visited her at, uh, you know, watched her on TV or visited her at some of the hotels, you can give us a call today. Oh eight nine one one zero four two eight. Do you have questions about food, about cooking this weekend? Is there something that you're interested in making? And what does this whole this year hold for us in in salivating surprise? for 2015. Are there some things that we should be looking at, ways of cooking, new methods uh, that perhaps not just bring that gourmet lifestyle of, of food that we want to uh, have in our kitchens, but also that healthy eating plans? I mean, Yudhika, what, what, what is your food philosophy? Do, do you have one that, and is it inspired by this background? Uh, yeah, my food philosophy is to get cooking. I think that we've become more about convenience uh, than health and I think especially with children, we need to encourage the same food memories that we had as children. And it's really important to cook, home, cook food because you actually have control of what's in those meals. So I say a trend every year is just get into the kitchen and start cooking simple meals. And it's really, really important because it's also family time. For me, I don't feel a day is complete unless I have a home-cooked meal. It's like signing off for the day. And so no, no fast over. food uh, being brought home. Yeah, without upsetting anyone <laughs> and all the franchise owners, I'd like to say, you know, guys, just get cooking and simple foods. And it's also keep it simple and, and make it an event. And also people are not are moving away from having uh, a meal together at the end of the day. And it's a proper time to connect. So it's not just about food philosophy. It's about family life. It's about creating that warmth I mean, and that's, connecting. Yeah. That, that, that's a difficult starting point, I think, because you're right. Once you get into the kitchen and start playing around, even if it turns out terribly, you know, you're the only guinea pig that's going to be forced to eat it, right? So, but, but that first move into the kitchen, and I think a lot of men and friends of mine that I know just say, we can't cook anything. We don't know where to start. And we're so afraid of getting into the kitchen that it means they never get into the kitchen. I mean, how, how do you break down that barrier? I think the first time you get into the kitchen, you, you start to understand exactly how you're not prepared to be in the kitchen. So you don't have this and I don't have that. And sometimes you want to make a pasta sauce and you, you don't have a tin opener. You know, it's, it, and, and you end up kind of using a knife. But if you can actually just take courage and work through that and stock up your kitchen, keep some ingredients and get into it, it's a whole lifestyle change really. Um, but it does take a while to get into it. You know, it's, it's also the health benefit of actually cooking your own food. But also, it's a relaxing thing that you can do. You know, may, maybe have a glass of wine or a gin with it as well. Just so maybe, maybe, maybe that's uh, the answer <laughs> to my next question. I mean, what, what's a good starting point? So is it about getting your ingredients together, getting the right tools, maybe having the right glass of drink uh, to get the mood right? I mean, where, where's a good starting point for you? I think it's what you were saying earlier. You know, it, like, it might turn into a complete disaster. And it's actually understanding that. It's, it's being mentally ready for whatever comes next. And um, once you understand it's not about the taste of the meal, but rather getting into something, then you're going to be fine. The next thing is to just get a few basics, you know, and also look at what you've got in your kitchen and see how you can actually work with what you've got. So think about what you want to cook just for five minutes and just take a, a walk through your kitchen and, and look around and look at your spice rack. The worst thing is a spice rack because people have 
everyone has spices and they don't use them and they just spoil in the cupboard. So a spice rack and a well-stocked spice rack is like having money in the bank, really, because you can take a simple something and turn it into the most amazing meal. Just with a few spices. It doesn't have to be complicated and long-winded. Which are your essential spices? Oh, I have to say chili. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say chili, but I, I say like um, a good seasoned salt, for example. I have my favorite ones that I use. Um, but seasoned salt and a piece on, 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 on chicken. And it's, it's about simple food, like even a, dry, a dried herbs or, or fresh herbs that might even be in your garden. Just use something really simple. Salt, pepper, seasoned salt even, and fresh thyme. Garlic, of course. I'm a big garlic fan. Uh, a while ago, I thought, um, I'm just going to hang around with people who eat garlic during the week. It was also a lifestyle change. <laughs> <laughs> 21 minutes after Ed, we're in conversation with Yudhika Sujanani, who's uh, talking to us about being a celebrity chef, about the career and the business choices that she's made in order to uh, pursue this as a career. But also, what are some of the uh, the food trends for 2015, other things that you're looking forward to? And some tips that perhaps that you need in the kitchen. Are you still getting into the cooking spirit? Or maybe you've been doing it for years and just looking for a way of revitalizing and freshening up uh, your cooking rip. Uh, um, so we'll talk about that with you 891 It's 21 minutes after 8 right now And we'll read your SMSs uh, that you sent us on 34701. You can also write to us at SAFM, uh, AM Live on SAFM, and, of course, give us a call, 891 I mean, Yudhika, as, as, a, as, a, as a career, when, when did you know that, you know, making a, you know, kind of dabbling in the kitchen could be a career for you, not just something that, you know, you would you'd entertain? Um, for well, my, my, I think my daughter was uh, was just like a little baby, and I thought I just love food so much. And I, what made sense at that point is if I love food, let me open a restaurant. It was completely the opposite to what I should have been doing, because I thought a food meant I could cook and explore and whatever. And I ended up doing tax returns and counting bar stock, <laughs> so I never really got to cook. But so, at some point in um, in that time. I also decided to change the way commercial Indian food was done. So I got back in the kitchen and I started training the chefs to actually cook more home-style food and go back to that, the food that we remember from our childhood. And um, during that time, I was asked to do a few um, um, food shows, live cooking demos and stuff like that. So my career has always been one that's just kind of found me and I've... I don't know, I had uh, divine prompts and uh, been cued by uh, something out there. So I, I, it was never really a decision that oh, I want to be a celebrity chef. Or I did say once that I wanted to be on, uh, I'm going to be famous and I wanted to be on TV. And everyone thought I was having a midlife crisis. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've made, it, you've made it come true. I mean, what, what is it that, that takes that leap of, of going back to the old style of cooking? I mean, what, what is it that characterizes the way that we used to do things compared to the way that we are doing things today? I think it's uh, it's just how we think about food. Uh, now we want what's convenient. In those days, we wanted what tasted good. We wanted to open the front your door to your home, and have those aromas coming at you. And it's also uh, it's a time thing, you know. Um, we need to think about it's it's not just we sh- we should be making the time to do this. We should we should actually make time to do, to cook at the end of the day. And um, that's what made me actually go back to it. And also I've changed the way I cook to try to keep most of the flavors and the taste uh, quite 
familiar, but also I've cut down on the cooking techniques. Like I always say when I do a cooking demo, add salt to the onions because it speeds up the browning of the onions. Uh, put your starch on first, like put your rice on. By the time your rice is done, I can have a chicken curry done in like 10 minutes or a chicken korma done in like 12 minutes. So it's cutting down and simplifying the processes and also adapting really traditional recipes to a modern lifestyle by leaving out a lot of the long-winded processes that come along with cooking as well. I mean, is it is it about speeding up the cooking process? I mean, uh, Jamie Oliver, for example, is one of those guys that talks about 20-minute meals, and he also is an advocate of getting everything ready in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So clean your pots, clean your tables, cl- wipe down your kitchen, maybe even boil the kettle because you're going to need some boiling water mm-hmm. at some point. Get everything ready and then start cooking, right? So then it helps to shorten the amount of time that you're spending. I mean, who are your food heroes in this? Uh, food heroes, I mean, I always say that food heroes for me are like are just people that we meet that do things beautifully and do it from the heart. So a lot of the the people that I think are my heroes are people that have cooked their way into my heart, from my mom to my gran, um, to Mrs. Brandier in Durban, to there's just lots of stories, neighbors. But uh, on, a, on a large, uh, well, more with chefs, proper chefs. I, I went to a restaurant a while ago called the Orient and I had this meal and it was the most phenomenal taste explosion ever and it was uh, done by Chantal Dartnell and it was just it just amazed me it completely took me out of my food comfort zone to think that people can think so differently about food now a lot of people do it wrong but she's one of the chefs that have done it right. What, what did she do so right? We, we have to go to some callers. We've got some people mm-hmm. on the line who want to chat to you. Ooh, but wow. what, what, did, what did they do? What did she do right in that meal? Um, she did fusion food, her combinations. She um, used exotic ingredients like the truffle oil with quail's eggs. And normally I'm like, mm, I don't want to eat that because it's too fancy for me. Uh, but she brought it down onto a level that would, it, it didn't just jump out at you. It just worked beautifully. And I think it was just the most magical, if I could say that. And I'm truly, it's like I watch Harry Potter and I'm fascinated by the person who wrote it. Because I thought, what sort of a mind do they have? But that's how I feel about Chantal Dartnell's food. I've never met her. I've never introduced myself to her. But her food is absolutely phenomenal. You know? well, Liz has written us this SMS uh, saying people smell so awful when they eat garlic. Is there any solution for that? Now, Liz, I kind of like the smell of garlic. I, I don't know. You think I, I mean, is, do, do you hate the smell of garlic and how do you take um, it away? You know, the thing about garlic is that we go to the supermarkets and we buy garlic that has preservative in it. And you can see that it looks different. It, it looks kind of like chunky and it looks bright yellow, strange sort of yellow. And don't buy that garlic. Because that has preservatives in it, and it, you're preserving your garlic breath, actually. The other thing is chew parsley. I do pass, chew parsley and a few, um, a few swigs of hot water. Uh, that helps. And the other thing is make friends with people who like garlic as much as yeah. you do. <laughs> I think that's a good tip for me. I really love garlic. Also, when you're doing garlic, remember, the more you pound it as well, the more garlic flavor there is. And you, you want hints of garlic in your food. So roughly crush the garlic. You're still getting the garlic, but you're not having this big kind of garlic breath. You know, so, so just uh, 
just work with it. But parsley, fresh, put some fresh parsley in your garden, sunny spot. And just every every day when you walk by, just take a few leaves and chew them. It, it doesn't really taste very good, but it does work. I can tell you it does work. So Liz, try some parsley. And uh, if anyone in your family likes to eat garlic, you can give them some parsley too. Spoo is calling us from Johannesburg. Hi, Spoo. Hello. Hi, Spoo. We can hear you nice and clearly. Go ahead. Yeah, look, I just want to ask the lady there, uh, in terms of the, the chicken cooking. We are, we are told that brine that is being injected in the chickens at abattoirs actually helps the chicken to taste better. Now, if we, uh, if that philosophy is proper, then does she then take the chicken and cook it without actually spicing it? Because according to the big uh, conglomerate, people who are slaughtering chicken, they say they already have spiced the chicken. Which chicken is better, the natural grown chicken or the injected chicken? And before you go, what, what, what spices do you normally use in, in your kitchen? I mean, so how would you normally prepare your chicken? Well, uh, one would cook the chicken as a normal chicken. You just, just cook the chicken and then put the spices on top of it. But now, my question is, now that we are told that the, the, the reason why the chicken is injected is to add spice and flavor onto it. Is that true, according to uh, the lady there? Okay, good, great question. I mean, we've heard a lot about this brine uh, story, especially being injected into chickens, increasing the weight, and does it have anything to do with the flavor? Uh, Yudi, you're going to have to respond to that one. But then also to Don, who wrote in from Cape Town, he's got a great question. How do you then keep garlic fresh if you're telling us not to preserve it, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do we keep it fresh? He's a bachelor cook writing in, so he wants to know how to help uh, make sure that his garlic is kept fresh in the fridge. We're exploring everything from food trends to how to make healthy eating more fun. What to play differently for family or friends on important religious days as well. You can give us a call with your questions. 891 You Yudi, there were questions from Sabu asking mm-hmm. about brine and chicken. I mean, does it add anything to the flavor? Well, the old-fashioned way of brining, yes. It was actually um, a process to get more flavor into chicken, especially chicken breast that's really quite dry and stringy. Um, but there's ways you can cook that without brining. I personally have brined uh, meat uh, on my own. And that's also to tenderize it. Like we have this dryness issue. So what, what, what is brine? What, as a brine is, is a, it's a solution. Um, and a lot of the franchises and stuff do brine. It's like almost marinating the meat, but it's not really – like when you brine chicken breasts, you, know, you can brine it in, in, in cold water with salt. And that actually tenderizes and breaks down the fibers in the meat. But the way it's being done commercially um, now, it's actually – Sometimes, you, you know, you buy, and I've, I've tested this out, sometimes it can be 40% uh, brine. I mean, it's just adding to the weight of the it's chicken, It's adding right? to the weight of the chicken. I'm not sure it's really adding to the flavor. And, and then also, anything that's, any process that involves preservatives, perhaps we should just be more careful about that. You know, go back to the normal way of cooking, brine it yourself. Uh, take some chicken breasts, put them into some salted water, add some spices, peppercorn, cinnamon, bay leaves and spices and just let it sit in there in the refrigerator. Always brine uh, and leave your meat in the refrigerator, never at room temperature.
that's the important point about brining. Before we get to Don's garlic question, what about you know cans of tuna and chickpeas that come with brine or maybe sunflower mm-hmm. oil? I mean, do you empty that out? Do you pour it down the drain? What do you do with it? That's really very salty. So I normally opt for the one in in water rather than oil, firstly. And I always toss that out. I never really use it in anything. So, yeah, it's it's very, very salty. So there's no reason for you to be actually consuming that. Okay, so Don's question, how do I preserve garlic? Um, I say if you crush, well, first of all, buy real garlic. That's the head of garlic. And then get a little, I've got this old-fashioned like mortar and pestle. It makes a really big din on my show as well. Uh, but it, it's so quick and easy to do. And if there's anything uh, left over, just put it into a little tub with a tight-fitting lid. Put some oil on top, a pinch of salt and oil. And that preserves it. Also, in a kitchen, in an Indian home as well, the one thing that we use quite often as a preservative is turmeric. So a pinch of turmeric goes a long way. It actually kills off bacteria and stuff like that. So a pinch of turmeric, pinch of salt, a bit of oil, sunflower, olive, and you can preserve your garlic that I, way. I think my mom also considers turmeric and antibacterial to be used on any cut or bruise on any five-year-old or below. Um, <laughs> Pila writes in saying, um, how would you define indigenous South African cuisine and what would be the star dish for you? Oh, my God, that's a difficult question. It is a tough one. I thought so, too. You know, when I think about South African cuisine, and, and please forgive me for this, that I, I think of it as a melting pot it's it's never really one thing. For me, it's like chakalaka with chili powder and curry leaves. And it's a bubuati and it's um, a poiki, but with spices. For me, I never think of it as one dish. You know, it's never pup in place. It's always about spice. And that's the way the country is going as well. There's not, There's no definite, there's nothing that's absolutely this is the way it should be because and that's what's beautiful about south african food is that everything's coming together so beautifully now i'm gonna have to hold you on this one so i mean is there one flavor or or spice or for you something that's signature about a south african meal that you know you couldn't replace it anywhere else in the world you know there's one thing that i love and that's like bultong you know, and that for me is <laughs> and buravos. Oh my God, buravos! It's like things like that for me. It's never really a spice because if you look at buravos, for example, you find that it's got coriander seeds in it. You know, so it's never really a spice, um, but it's more about flavor, a flavor, and a typical something like babuati, for example. That's also a combination of spices. So it's never really like I find it very hard. Excuse me for this and forgive me, but I find it very hard to say it's definitely this. Well, Pilot, write to us if you have a favorite cuisine uh, and a star dish for you. 0891 We have Louise on the line. She's uh, SA Chef's Training and Innovation. She's from SA Chef's Training and Innovation Academy. Louise, w- welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Josh, and thank you very much. I've been listening um, all about the cooking stuff. I mean, I mean, is this a good career? I, I'm, I'm just wondering, I mean, if, if I wanted to change jobs, should I be looking at, at, you know, maybe making food as a living? I love food. I love cooking. But, but is, this a, is this a place for me to, to earn some money as well? Well, Utica is actually a perfect example of how cooking can become a very rewarding career. And we actually see it very much these days that people are very more um, aware of what they eat. And we actually had quite a big um, demand these days for short courses and people 
that actually want to learn how to do certain things, pastas and those type of things that they want to make themselves instead of buying the shop-bought stuff. So that's definitely going forward to people, you know, the slow cooking. And even from the entrepreneurial side, you see so many slow food markets. I think there's almost every weekend there is a slow food market somewhere. And it goes about people that actually make stuff at home, you know, whether it's sauces or um, jams or those type of things that that's entrepreneurial and that's cooking. So you get more and more people that use cooking as some sort of financial income. Mm. So I would definitely say there is, in the cooking side, there's so many options and definitely, um, you know, it is a very good career to pursue. I mean, are, are you noticing any trends right now that are, that are picking up momentum at, at this point in the year? Well, the, it does about more innovation at this time. And there, there's, there's a couple of things. And I think Tim Noakes is probably one of the people to, you know, if I can tongue-in-the-cheek blame him. But, um, you know, people are looking more at the healthy fats. A couple of years ago, all these now current healthy fats were seen as very bad. So, so people are going more into the healthy foods or the fats, and the low-fat diets are moving aside. Um, you know, to move over olive oil and people are looking at coconut oil, which, um, you know, a couple of months ago, years ago, nobody actually used it. I mean, is that making, your jo- men- is that, is that making the job more difficult or, or, or easier for you, this high-fat, low-carbs diet? I mean, does that add more flavor or take something away from your cooking? Um, you know, if you look at the, um, I think years and years and how parents cook, you know, they would cook everything with loads of sugar and butter. Because they felt that you know that you know they have to add some flavour, and um, you know if you look at some of your finer dishes and stuff, you know cream and butter, um, most of the stuffy sauces and stuff that you know you add some butter to make it give it a nice glaze. So it's actually making it easier, and also what most chefs or you know what we've been doing um, actually over the years, adding all the stuff. If you look at them. The French, um, you know, they are in abundance with the creams and the butters and those type of things. So, so it's sort of, um, you know, it's just what we've been doing all along. But I also see with the new trends, picking and fermenting is, is quite a big thing. If you look at the Asians, they're very healthy people. So, so people are starting to pickle. And, and it goes about the home stuff that people do. So, yeah, the, the, um, I would say, you know, the duck fat and those things and rendering fat that adds so much more flavor than adding, um, you know, commercially made or fabric made stuff like sunflower oils. So it is definitely healthy, and I think it definitely adds flavor. I mean, if you ever had potatoes and duck fat, <laughs> it's so much nicer than your, your usual sunflower oil. I so, haven't tried it, Louise. No, yes. <laughs> it, it seems oh, to me it has to be on my list. Louise, thanks for joining us. Louise from uh, South Africa's Chefs Trading at Innovation Academy. Thanks for your call. We have uh, an anonymous caller on the line. I'm not sure why they've chosen to be anonymous, <laughs> but anonymous calling us from King Williams, Todd. Anonymous, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. Thank well, you for accepting my can, call. Can, can I start by asking, why are you choosing to be anonymous on a, on a cooking talk show? Is there somebody listening that you, do, you don't want them to know that you're asking for advice right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Is this a special <laughs> meal that you're hoping to cook for someone special? <laughs> okay, now, let's, get, let's get to it. What, what do you need from us? No, I wanted to find out, you know, from your from your guest. Um, she's talking a lot about um, salt, you know, and um, I wanted to find out if she's got something for diabetics. Okay, I think the um, 
about about diabetics it's it's actually a lifestyle change as well you've got to be really careful about what you're taking in and cutting back on salts and unhealthy fats and sugars and also anything that causes your um glycemic index to spike so you've got to keep that down and and also follow a low GI diet but also it it's a whole lifestyle change and just remember that, that the beautiful thing about spices is that spices you don't need to only season your food with salt if you move more towards using fresh herbs and spices like chili pepper coriander uh, cumin you tend to add less salt and more of those spices to give you flavor and your your palate becomes uh, mm. accustomed to it and at first it, you you do feel it you do feel like what's missing but stay with it and give it some time and just keep going and you see after a while you'll be finding so many things that you used to eat overly salted and yeah yeah i mean so, anonymous what yeah, what, what do you usually make anonymous what, what do you usually cook um in fact i i i like cooking with chili and tomatoes but uh, recently, and I understand the chili is also, um, and, the, and the tomatoes is becoming too acidic in my system. So actually, I don't know what to use again. I think if I can get any advice. Um, uh, about the tomatoes, I, I also uh, spoke to someone about the acidity in tomatoes a while ago, and actually an Ayurvedic doctor. And apparently, it really, really helps if you take the seeds out of the tomato. You can okay. use the you can use the skins, and uh, you can use the actual um, flesh, but uh, cut them in half and scoop out the seeds with a teaspoon and don't use them. Apparently, I've also have the same issue, and it really has made a, um, a difference in. Oh, uh, in so the main problem is the seeds. Yes, yes. This is what oh. I've the, the advice that I've got from an Ayurvedic doctor. And please, you can actually check on it and and ask around. And you know, thank thankfully we have Google. So read up on it and find out exactly what it is that's that's affecting you. But also, there's there's so many um, ways that we can flavor sauces. Like I said, you know, by adding some fresh herbs and a bit of homemade oh. stock as well. So you don't always. And I love tomatoey sauces. It's okay. like uh, one of my best things. But I've also got to not always have those. So simpler foods, yeah. Anonymous, oh. just just remember, we're we're not doctors here, so we can't really give you any medical advice. So best if you oh, need no, 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 if you no, need no, medical advice on this, you know, you can get it from a doctor. But if you just want yeah. to flavor your meals a bit differently, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I I do something at home, anonymous. Instead, sometimes you know, tomatoes are a little bit acidic and they're not yeah. very sweet, so I add a bit of sugar to my cooking, yeah. which I know is not that great. So I've stopped yeah. adding sugar. I've started adding honey, and it actually yeah, but I tastes can, I good. Challenge, the flavor. I can tell you that if you put too much sugar, it means I mean, because to me, I believe that those who, who don't know how to cook, excuse, excuse me, they <laughs> <laughs> want to put sugar to sweet to make their food sweet. That's that's true, probably, Anonymous. <laughs> Thank you for that. Anonymous and King Williams um, About you know? sugar in your tomatoes as well. I find yeah. that most people think that if I cook the tomato too much, my sauce is going to disappear. Right. But if you cook your tomatoes down till they're almost like a tomato paste and it looks dry you're almost roasting the tomatoes in the pan and that's when you start to get that lovely flavor from the tomatoes. But once there's too much liquid, it tastes a bit sour. So you need to cook those tomatoes and it's quite easy to get your sauce back because you just add boiling water, you add stock, you can add coconut milk and it reconstitutes your whole sauce. So don't think your sauce is disappearing. It's actually not. Try that the next time. Just cook your tomatoes down and you're almost roasting them in the pan and it makes such a difference to your sauce. 
I mean, this thing of adding sugar to cooking, I mean, is, is, I anonymous, is anonymous right? I mean, is it just like a kind of cliched thing we do to just kind of improve our cooking because we're not that great? I think a while ago it was like the norm, add sugar. And to be quite honest, sometimes, sometimes very rarely do I do that. But if I'm cooking at home, I almost never add sugar um, to a sauce. It's just not something I do. I avoid sugar uh, in my cooking, unless I'm baking, of course. But I do avoid sugar. I think we, I think we can learn to live without that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- th- there has been that revolution. I mean, as part of yes. Tim Noakes, we we're now looking at maybe even eliminating sugar altogether from our diet. I mean, is that, is that something you try to do with your cooking? I'd, you know, I don't have rules. I, I, I try to cook sensibly. And I think that's what's also important is to be sensible about what you're cooking. Um, so I'm, I'm not into any of the trends, but I do read up and I take what I think is, uh, is, is good from it, and I incorporate it into, in, in what I do. But um, I don't think there's ever going to be a day where we can properly eliminate sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 11 minutes to 9. If you still have questions for us, we'll talk to you about any of the gluten-free options perhaps that you're looking for, any other healthy eating options, no sugar, lots of sugar. Maybe you want to use honey instead. Or maybe you're looking for something a bit more gourmet, uh, truffles and mushrooms or something like that. Give us a call, 0891104209. Our next guest swapped his calculator and analysis spreadsheets for Chef Whites. Chef wow. Ku Pele has carved his name across three provinces in South Africa. We now find him at the heart of the Northwest, working for the Buffalo King. Joining us on the line is Executive Chef Kuvashin Pele from the Royal Marang, working in the heart of the Buffalo King. Ku, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Carson. And, and what are you doing in the middle of the Buffalo King as, a, as an Indian chef there? What, 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 how did you find yourself there? Well, I'm doing what I'm doing best, and that's cooking. <laughs> I mean, uh, how, how did well, you find yourself there? I mean, how did you make that move? Well, it was actually quite a quick move, but I think uh, looking back now over the last five months, it's probably one of the best moves I've made. Uh, the Buffer King Nation is such a simple nation, and, you know, they're so diverse, yet, you know, and, 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 and they've welcomed me with open arms, and, and, and I'm loving being here. And what are you cooking while you're there? Um, well, you know, me being uh, obviously, you know, uh, an Indian chef, uh, and, and then, but also growing up in KZN, you know, I've adapted to the local cultures, you know, with the spices that I've grown up with, together with, uh, you know, the local taste of the Zulu nation, and that's what I've brought now to uh, Rustenburg, or should I say, to the Buffer King. And also just to see, uh, you know, to also, uh, you know, uh, combine the two tastes together. And and that's what I'm busy doing at the moment. In fact, my new menu is launching uh, next Wednesday. And, yeah, that's what I've, uh, I've tried to do, try to take the local cuisine together with my heritage and, yeah, com- combine it together. And we've, and we've made a few dishes already. And, yeah, it seems to have... Uh, taken off quite well. What, what are those signature dishes? I know you, you, you're only launching it next week, but you can tell us. We won't tell anyone. Look, I've also tried to keep it very simple. Uh, you know, you don't want to overcomplicate dishes because for me, uh, you know, being a chef, I, I want to keep the ingredients true to itself. You know, I don't want to overpower them with, with, with you know, like 101 flavors. So, and, you know, and, and like I mentioned earlier, the Buffer King are also very simple people and they don't want to overcomplicate their dishes as well. So, for an example, what I've done, I've taken, you know, everybody loves chicken livers. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think there's anyone in South Africa that doesn't like chicken livers. 
So I've taken a chicken liver dish. I've combined it, you know, with uh, some um, cumin and uh, red chili with some coriander from the Indian's perspective. I've just added a touch of cream just to give it a little bit of you know, richness. But I've taken the local fat cook, and I've and and we've made that into a very light dough. We've deep fried it, you know, and then I've con- and then we've actually presented it as as a chicken liver bunny chow. Well, I, I don't want to pop your bubble, Koo, but, I, but I'm not a fan of chicken livers. Sorry. So I'm, I'm, really? that, I'm that one guy that, that really doesn't like chicken livers. I mean, I, I, are you finding that, that, that as South Africans we experiment with what we eat? I mean, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to try different things, I'll be honest. But, I mean, when you, when you find South Africans visiting your restaurant, are they trying the different cuisines or things that they would, you know, probably eat at home or in their local communities? Look, I think... Over the recent years, there's definitely been uh, a shift. Uh, people are becoming a little bit more adventurous. Uh, they're willing to experiment. Uh, and I also think it's due to, you know, uh, the social media, uh, you know, the food channels and uh, um, and all these new uh, food shows that are happening, you know, uh, workshops and the food shows that are happening in and around the cities. People are becoming a, a lot more aware of, of what's out there and they're willing to, you know, try and experiment with new dishes. So I'm definitely seeing, you know, people are willing to try new dishes when they, when they do come to our restaurants. Well, thank you for joining us uh, all the way from the Royal Marang in the Northwest. Executive Chef uh, Kuvashin Pillay, thank you for your time this morning. We have a little bit of a surprise and a little bit of a joyous reason to talk to Theo, who's uh, in Midran this morning. Theo, good morning. Good morning, Dasan. How are you? I'm doing very well, but congratulations to you. Do you want to tell us why we're saying that? <laughs> yes, of course. Thank you very much. Um, I just got a bursary um, to go to the South African Chef Training and Innovation Academy. And this bursary is coming through from the SABC, you know, in collaboration with the Chef Training and Innovation Academy. So this has been like a, a dream for me, you know, from... You know, when I was a kid, I used to come home from school and there wouldn't be much to eat. So what I used to do is I used to get these biscuits that we had in the house. They were quite cheap then. And then I would crush them and add milk to them and I would have that, you know. And that kind of eventually led to being my cereal in the morning as well, you know. So from days like that to you know, eventually starting my own business, um, doing baking and all of that, to now being able to go to a chef school, you know, it's a dream for me because Mm. food is something that I've always thought about, that I've always lived, you know. I remember one particular time, um, it was my uncle's birthday, and as a kid I didn't have anything to give him, I didn't have any money, and what I did is I went into the kitchen I looked around and, you know, there was chicken, you know, and I decided, let me cook something for him, you know. And he came back and he said, you know what, that was the best roast chicken I've had up to this day, you know. <laughs> so as, um, <laughs> Theo, I hope you're going to bring us some of that, that best roast chicken because we're, we're definitely hungry here in studio. But Theo, you know. Yes, I heard you haven't had breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Theo, I mean, do, do, would you have any questions for you, here? I mean, I think, I think it would be a good chance for you to get some tips for for you in the future i mean do you have any questions about becoming a professional chef you these right here and i'm sure she'll answer anything you have you know i'm glad she is there you know i've been listening to her and you you know what i wanted to find out um 
you know, I, I came from an IT background. I quit mm-hmm. IT and I decided, you know what, I really want to go into the food thing. But going into it, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure whether I want to do uh, the food aspect of it, you know, the cooking and, and all of that, or would I want to concentrate more on the baking aspect of it, you know, being a, a pastry chef and all of that. So what would you say is the best way to actually go about this, you know, seeing that I'm going to be going to a culinary school, mm-hmm. you know, should I be focusing on everything all at once or what? Okay. First of all, congratulations. It's, it's, it's such an opportunity for you and you truly, truly blessed to have come full circle with this. Um, about so about the hot kitchen versus cold kitchen, and I love mm-hmm. both, but mm-hmm. I think the right thing to do is to try both because you never know. You might suspect where you might shine, but you never really know until you get in there. And there's so many techniques that you learn in a cold kitchen that you can pair Mm -hmm. with dishes that come out of your hot kitchen and out of your your cooked meals, you know. So you need to do both because together that's going to give you the most knowledge and and you're going to shine. And whatever you do, Cook with a big heart, and you'll never go wrong. You'll you'll never fail. You'll always succeed and shine. Theo, I hope you. I hope those were good words of encouragement for you, Theo. In Midran, she's going to become a professional chef. Wow. Yudhika has yeah. helped her do that. Yudhika Sajanini, thank you very much for joining us this morning. That's where we leave it for this Friday edition of the program. I must read this one SMS. I samoosed my way through to matric. What a powerful statement that came in from uh, Skyd in Mochlakeng, uh, paying <laughs> tribute to uh, Yudhika and her background of how she ended up becoming a professional chef. That's it from us. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm back with AM Live uh, next week on Monday and then Sakina's with you from Tuesday onwards. Have a fantastic weekend and all the best. Rowena's up next with uh, Morning Talk. Take care.